Welcome, everyone, to episode four here on Colin of Mike Drop. Thanks for joining us today. I think you're all aware that this uh, platform allows people to ask questions. The way we're going to do it today, though, is if you could just use the icon to submit questions in uh, writing, I think that'll be helpful in terms of moving the discussion forward. Uh, particularly excited about my guest today. For those of you OG listeners uh, that were familiar with Americanada, the Americanada podcast, uh, Gregory Rodriguez is both a dear friend and a brilliant essayist who I consider one of America's premier essayists and thinkers on race, culture, and American identity. He's taught me a lot about American culture. That was really the thrust of the podcast that we did for probably about four or five, six months. And I think a lot of people are asking that we come back and do it again. Um, Gregory um, has completed a really intensive uh, body of work here related to whiteness, victimhood, and the birth of the United States, which I think is probably one of his most fascinating pieces because it really, it really is the undergirding of a lot of the discussions that we've had over the course of the past couple of years. And I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about that um, in just a second, Gregory. Um, but um, also want people to know that this is this is not just many many months in the making. From our discussions, it's kind of many many years in the making. It, it really does get to the essence of Americanness in a lot of ways, um, and a lot of the concepts that we're going to talk about, including whiteness. Um, what white means, at least from an American construct, how it was born, how it was established, and even what it means today, I think are really um, grounded well in this, this I, I don't want to say short essay. It's, a, it's probably short by your standards, Gregory. It's a little bit <laughs> – It's getting there. It's, it's a little bit lengthy for, for, for uh, those of us who live by, by you know, 280 characters on Twitter – but it was something I've, I've enjoyed in a way that I haven't in a long time because it answered a lot of questions. So without further that. ado and without me talking too much more, why don't you share a little bit, Gregory, about what, what, what the essay is for those who have not been able to read it. I know a number of people have written already and said, I've read it. I've done the homework. I'm ready to, to be part <laughs> of this discussion. But before we get into the kind of whys and wheres, talk, tell us a little bit about – just walk us through through the essay. Uh, well, I, I – yeah, that's 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 terrifying. Um, one, I, you know, I, I do a lot of reading on on, on culture, as you mentioned, and, and, and I'm always looking for these fault lines in American culture because it's usually where where different groups come together where you learn most about the differences between the groups and the similarities between the groups. And and I'll tell you how I kind of stumbled on this. I was reading about the, the Ohio River Valley, and I kept on I kept on looking, and because that was important in terms of uh, uh, slavery and 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 laws and it was important in, in, in terms of who settled where. And, uh, and I'm very interested in, in the, tell me if I go out, you can hear me right now, right? Yeah, we can hear you. I'll let Sorry, you know if there's a problem. You know, you know I, my, my, I do. Problem. I do. So, so, so I, 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 I kept, I, I was, and, and I'm particularly interested in this subject I want to do all along is how different sort of, sort of, People from the border states and people from and people from New England sort of collided, and you can see that today in in places like in, in Indiana and Illinois and 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 Ohio. Uh, there's a there's a place in each of those three states where the South actually begins. Uh, and I and I want to go back to something I wrote years ago when I was a, a, a opinion columnist that I used to just take the time to. 
I had a one week to figure something out and I'd write it up and it'd appear in the paper. And I, and I spent a week in, um, in Illinois and I, I flew into sh- uh, Chicago and I drove south. And everywhere, every, every place that I stopped going south, I asked, is this the south? <laughs> and I, I met with the mayor of normal Illinois. He said, no, 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 this is, this is central. And then finally I get to the place and I said, is this the south? And people say yes. And what does that mean? Uh, and then usually, usually it, could, it could mean the color of the soil. It could mean uh, the, the kind of crops. It could mean the religious orientation. It could mean the, the accent, the draw. So I, I'm, I'm very interested in where these, these differences and sort of the collision of peoples, right? Borders, if you will. So, so I came to, and, and, and I don't know, in all this reading, I started reading about the emergence of the notion of white people in colonial Pennsylvania. And essentially, I, I'm looking at uh, the most diverse colonial uh, society in North America, British colonial society in North America was Pennsylvania, in part because of the open-mindedness and the, and the tolerance of its founder. Uh, and, and, and so and a lot of sort of religious dissidents came here and came there and um, essentially lived their lives out in very separate ways. Uh, there's these multiple German-speaking groups who had nothing to do with each other. Uh, they lived among, you know, uh, uh, to themselves. Uh, you had uh, uh, Welsh and English uh, Quakers in the Philadelphia area. You had uh, the, the Germans going more inland. And then you had the Scotch-Irish, uh, the migration who came with less money later. Uh, and they moved out into the frontier toward uh, where, sort of where, where whites, where, excuse me, Europeans were not going. And they collided with Native Americans more violently and they were sort of the front line in many ways. Um, and then, it, it, so in short, what I found is that when the French-Indian War started, uh, the, particularly the Shawnees and the Delawares allied with the French against the British. And in, with the support, with French arms, these, these two groups sent their warriors. They had already moved west. They, they were moving west as the European settlers were moving west. And they started to attack these European settlements in the Susquehanna Valley. And it was these violent targets. And the, inti- the, and the, the way the historians describe it, these in, they're intimate insofar as the warriors many times knew the names of the people they were killing. They spoke there, there's incidences in the essay where, 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 where a Native American warrior would speak in high German to a, a German-speaking uh, victim, and they would slaughter them. And they would many times use, uh, sort of leave their bodies in, in horrible ways as a, as, a, as, a form, as a form of terrorism. And so what this did was take the, 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 the pushed back, it rolled back the frontier. And then the rolling back of the frontier, and you can imagine people on roads, people with oh, people when they're barefoot, people with their children on their on their shoulders, people walking backwards, and they suddenly started for the first time, started talking to the people who weren't in their ethnic or religious group, and it was in this process of running from Native American raids that these different European groups began to see common cause. They began to see, hey, well, they began to, their disdain, their hatred, their growing hatred for Native Americans overrode their distrust and often a dislike of each other. And they began to be referred to as white people. 
And so these are people on the Western frontier who were under attack in the French Indian War and and then again later. Um, And so the two things, and I'll stop this line of talking, um, was the disdain both of Native Americans, one, and two, their disdain for the Quaker leadership, who at this point was the, were the dominant force in the, in the assembly of that colony, who were pacifists and who would never set up a militia. So, so the, these white people then were refugees, were, in a, were, in a, were in a, 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 a diverse community of interests, and they had disdain both for the Indians and they had disdain for the leadership in Philadelphia. And that's how this, this aggrieved identity of white people emerged in this middle colony. So there's a couple of things here that I want to I want to explore. The verses we're talking roughly around French and Indian War, right? 1750s, mid 1700s. Yes. yes. Okay. So 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 that's an important distinction because we're talking about uh, coming on to the age of declaration, really the birth of of the United States of America as a country. You, Pennsylvania is extremely important because it's a it's a middle state, as you mentioned. And in many ways, it's it's the tip of the spear on where "quote unquote" white people are pushing west. Well, right. So, so essentially, the French and the British were fighting over the Ohio country, which was which was essentially, you know, you think of it as the Appalachians tail off around Pittsburgh, and the Ohio country was where both of these empires were fighting over, and so. In, in a nutshell, some, many of the Native American groups who were put, being pushed west from around Philadelphia and then the Susquehanna Valley, they suddenly then were being squeezed between the French and the British. So, and not only that, not only to get into it, but then Virginia wanted the Ohio country, and Pennsylvania wanted the Ohio country, and France wanted the Ohio country. And so it became this imperial conflict whereby the Native Americans who were already fleeing from the East were squeezed and it all sort of blew up. So yes, the Ohio country then becomes, obviously the, 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 the Northwest Ordinance was, was written before the United States Constitution was, was approved. So there was a plan to move this new country into this new area, and it had already been written multiple times. And so it was the area where the United States would, 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 would move westward in a, in a more organized way. And that, that was essentially, there was essentially a plan to do that uh, before the Constitution was approved in 1789, which is already fascinating that the country, before it really had a, a, a decent government, uh, or the government we know today, uh, there was already a plan to move, to move westward. So, uh, and again, one of the two, two other more interesting points here. The, the first is th- this area, the Ohio River Valley, the Ohio's, the, the eastern Pennsylvania's, uh, even moving western, south. Yeah. Western, western, I'm western, sorry, western, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, western Pennsylvania. Uh, th- this is an area, and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, uh, detract from, from the gravity and the history here, but this, this area now in terms of, the, the aggrieved white uh, American is, is is arguably centrally located, and and the, the, this this history, of course, for very different reasons, uh, is emanating as a part of our society. It's part of our culture. Again, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Set that aside. But it is fascinating to me that the origins of this grievance, the origins of this victimhood, 
is really central to, to this location that ultimately at one point was west. It was frontier. Right. But, but, it, but in all fairness, the, 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 aggrieved, the aggrieved white also became, so where it was a lived experience in western Pennsylvania, but then it, then it became a symbolic intellectual experience throughout the colonies. So as we know, the last grievance in the Declaration of Independence in 1776, uh, essentially, uh, uh, the last grievance against King George III was that, that he, he was not protecting uh, Americans from the quote-unquote savages. And, and, and Thomas Jefferson wrote that. So there also was this notion that the entire, and so, so one of the, so, as I don't, so the lived experience in the, in, the, in, the, in the frontier, right? But then there was this vast propaganda pre- campaign during the Revolutionary War to get, the peop- get, to get as many people on board as possible. And, and, and the, the patriots, as they're called, uh, w- were concerned with how do, you make, how do you make these Americans, many of whom were English, most of whom were British, not most, yeah, most still, um, how do you make them hate the British? How do you get their, how do you get their, how do you rile them up to want to go to war with their cultural cousins? And the way to have done that then was to link them with, with, with Native Americans. To link, so these Brits were supporting Native Americans who are killing us. It was a way to racialize, if you will, the, their British cousins. So the sense of a, being aggrieved, the sense of being under danger from the non-white savage was something that pervaded the press, the revolutionary press, in all 13 colonies. It was integral to getting people invested in the war against Britain. Okay, so... <laughs> Sorry. No, no, this is... This is, this is, this is really side. No, well, because it keeps going in three or four different directions. Yeah. This is great. Incidentally, as folks have questions in the chat, we're only taking questions in the chat today. As you're hearing Gregory talk or questions that you want answered, please go ahead and jump into the chat uh, because this is going to keep running in a few different directions. Let me back up a little bit here. You mentioned a real, in a really effective, descriptive way what kind of traveling away from the attacks and the insurgencies of Native Americans meant to these disparate European communities was and was like. You have English-speaking British descendants. You've got German-speaking German descendants, people who really never interacted much. They knew that they were over there beyond the river or on the other side of that forest instead right. of trees, but they, they, they never really interacted much with perhaps maybe a little bit of trade or trading. But exactly. once, they're, once they're under attack, consciously, methodically, organized together under attack, who start, do they, does their enemy call them whites? In other words, were they described externally as whites? Or do they decide together as a survival mechanism, we're going to be whites? Because we don't speak the same language. We're not of the same people. Right. We don't have the same history, culture, food, religion. But we share a color of skin. We're white. Let's call ourselves white and create a nation. Well, well this was all a very good question, but there's one distinction. The Quakers weren't white. They weren't part of this group. So it wasn't entirely skin color. It was, again, community of interest. And ah. it wasn't entirely racial, ra- racial because Quakers, weren't, the Quakers were the enemy, too. 
But yes, there was. I, there, there, I didn't get into this in the essay because, believe me, the biggest difficulty of the essay, which I worked on for quite a long, long time, is 8,500 words. And I was trying to keep it short, by the way, was <laughs> not mentioning too many. There's a million other strands, right? So, yeah, there are, there are from, from, from what I know, there, are, there were some, some Native Americans referring to them as white. They, they did come from that. And, and nobody really knows where the, where the terminology comes from. But it, there, is some, there is some idea that it came from the from the inadequacy of English. That the Native Americans would sometimes refer to these the European settlers as English. And so that didn't work for the German Americans, right? And so there was this and some of it may have come from journalistic shorthand, if you will. The need to so so some of the early sort of reports of a of a uh, sort of a, a Presbyterian Irish was was killed or a German Lutheran was killed. They had specificity and texture to their identity, the identities of the victim. But over time, it became a shorthand. And I think it was, I, I'm guessing, and this is from a particular scholar I was, I've been reading, um, that it came from the shorthand from, from the, what, the public presses uh, as much as it did from the people themselves. It was the way these, were, these incidents were described in, in newsletters the, against the white people. Where do we first see the term white being used? Well, I mean, the, 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 in, in, my, in my reading, the, 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 so, so without going too far into it, and because, Lord, I, I, you know, when I write these things, I dump them and I want to you know, cry and go to, you know, do something entirely else. So I don't think about this. So please keep the questions general. But um, it, it, it became the, fir the first known use of the term white in, the North, in among the British North American colonies was in South Carolina. And it was bought by... Uh, brought by Barbadians. So Barbados was, uh, and I don't really want to have to refer to the piece, which I might, I haven't cheated yet, Mike. Uh, but Barbados was essentially the first British colony what, that, that had a slave code. Uh, there were more African slaves there than there were white people. And it was a term then, so it became a concern then of the white, uh, of the white planters, the slaveholders, to develop a term that would help them control the African worker population. And the one other means of control was to make sure that the poor whites wouldn't would take their side if African workers ever uh of the African the enslaved Africans ever rebelled. So whiteness then the word white then was in the Barbados con uh, context was used by elite whites to seek to ensure the loyalty of 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 poor whites in in the case uh, in case of of of, an, of a slave insurrection, so that then as and there was a, the Barbados history is this really really horrifying, and as it was just this vicious place and productive place and and then the whites were leaving too, so many of the whites then in in the Barbados came to South Carolina and then a a, a, a relatively a, a large minority of the first founders of South Carolina were from Barbados and that's where the the term white uh from historians are are are, are thinking uh, first landed there uh in Barbados and again i know you're a student of american culture and american identity but but these are very we have to remember these these are very distinct european cultures very distinct european nationalities who essentially find whiteness here in the united states when there is a community of interest very important it's not even necessarily 
skin color, right? You're you're starting to introduce right. class class here, where poor whites in the South uh, starts to be allied or be told that we're white, right? You're you're poor, and your life isn't a whole lot better than 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 uh, the African American or African slaves, right? Right, but but you were white, and and, and in the South, right, and up north. What you're seeing is this aggression, incursion into Indian lands. The British organize and ally with the Native Americans and attack these American frontiers. The French. The French the, organize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The French yeah, in your words. Yeah. The French organize the Indians and, and repel and push back on Americans pushing west. And these disparate European communities lacking a country, a common country, a common language, a common food, a common religion, a common uh, history. Decide we we better we better stick together because if not, we're going to end up dead. Right, stick together both against Native Americans in order to and, and again to put and it also there was the added benefit of moving westward to take more Indian land and to stick together against the Quakers in Philadelphia. The only other the, uh, perfectly said is you normally wrap things up very well. The only distinction I want to make in the the small one is the French didn't really organize the French the the the, 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 the these 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 group these Native American groups took the opportunity once once allied with another uh, imperial power. To, they took it upon themselves since they had the backing of a. It was more sort of a, 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 a sort of of, of convenience uh, to 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 fight with the British in that way, a way that was actually helping them their own selves. Specifically, they were going to go and and push back uh, the lands and the settlers who had taken their own land. So how does this how does this story evolve beyond the French and Indian War? How does this? How does whiteness and victimhood continue? Dude, you, you, dude, you, you said this was going to be easy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, so, uh, well, I mean, let, let me pull back a little bit. For, yeah. For, you know, my interest. You know, white people are the only people in this in this context. One, this is the story of the emergence of quote unquote white people in a certain context. One, two, it's the it's the utilization of victimhood in this context. Now. White people do not own victimhood. One of, one of my broader interests is the extent to which victimhood is so utilized in contemporary America. And clearly white people are, the, are not the only people who employ it. It's employed by many, many groups and many individuals. So my interest is, of course, I mean, this is so. And, and, and there had been this, this and there's many sociologists and many observers who've been hand wringing, wringing their hands over why so much victimocracy. In, why is it? Why is America become so full of victims? One, those are those, and and the, and the, the general culprits in the, in their writing has been the civil rights movement, and is generally we talk in terms of African Americans. And what I was trying to do in some ways is flip the script and say actually this was used from the very beginning by another group, and this was a group that just was invented in this con in, in in the middle colonies. So yes, of course it's used, but my interest is really how it's used by so many people in the society. And it began, in a sense, and, and, and in the context I'm writing about in this essay, the, 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 the quote-unquote white Western Pennsylvania frontiers people leveraged their sense of victimhood. One, to, 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 to use it against the new government of this new country to say, you need us. You, you protect us. We've suffered so long 
There's, there was one document that says, we've taken the tomahawk for you. So they leveraged the victimhood to get protection from this new government. And, and the tensions that existed between the Eastern and the Western uh, uh, European Americans, who didn't like each other. Uh, Benjamin Franklin referred to the, to the Western Pennsylvanians as, as, as white Christian savages. So what you get then is, is once this new country emerges, there's a de- detente between the quote-unquote white savages and, and as, as if you will, the, 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 the elite white uh, uh, who were Whigs in, 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 in Philadelphia. So what you got as a detente was the, a settlement, an emerge. So to, the, to, the, to these different groups of quote-unquote whites then saw an interest in getting along with each other. And that interest was that the Westerners would f- move forward. They would fight Native Americans. And the people on the coast, many of whom had land interests, land, real estate speculation in Indian land. So they then, that's how the disparate whites in the middle colonies, that's how they held together, that they needed each other. The, 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 the eastern one, the land speculators needed the quote-unquote savage whites on the frontier to remove the Indians, which they benefited from as well. So in today's crass terms, the way we would kind of talk about that is saying sort of the Wall Street corporate types are taking advantage of the non-college educated blue collar worker uh, to kind of do their, do their bidding politically, to gather their votes, to, to, to racially polarize the country in order to stay in power. Yeah, I mean, this is how America often, you know, the, the, the America from the from from the from colonial days to now, it's very di- the diversity of the country and diversity was there at the beginning, as, we, as we're acknowledging here, always required a hostile, racialized enemy. That was always part of the formula, as I'm saying. You know, the the, the last grievance of, of the Declaration of Independence was about the savage Indians, quote unquote. So yes, and so in the end, you know what 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 do most historians conclude was really the the final uh, rapprochement between North and South after uh, after the Civil War, the Spanish American War in 1898. Again, as America moved outward against new racialized enemies, and with the possibility of new colonies, the the whites then who had been at war came together. So America often uses a racialized, and I hate to use the other term, a, a racialized enemy to cohere. And that's, you know, we, there, there's been many writing about how America misses the Soviet Union. And part of our, our, our internal bitterness is because there is no uh, uh, external enemy to keep us focused. We're definitely going to talk about that. But I want you to um, expand a little bit on this one other quick point, Gregory. You mentioned it, and I'm not too sure how many people caught it, but you mentioned that the word savage is literally used in our Declaration of Independence. Yes. Can, to, I, can you talk a little bit more about that? Here it is. Um, dude, I can't believe you're making you're, this is This is hard, I'm man. sorry. I'm sorry. It's a tough exam, but this is a smart crowd. People, <laughs> People, uh, people join. People join here are looking for for smart stuff, and I, well, I know. Let, well, let me let me just go. Let me just go to the de- the grievances of the declaration. Somebody's probably there before me. Independence, yeah. and, and this is 
the reason why I think it's interesting is because I never um, knew until we were discussing th- this a week or so ago that um, that that this term and that phraseology and and these grievances were listed this way literally in in the founding document. We obviously yes. have a constitution, but this is the Declaration of Independence. Absolutely, and it was and and, and a lot. I read a lot about this as both. As, as, it's you know obviously it's not a league, it's not a constitutional document. It's not a. It it, it was more of a. Of, of something to legitimize the separation of Britain in order to to present their 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 terms in, in many ways to get allies uh, against the British. So here's Grievance 27. Quote, he, George III, has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions again. So, the blaming the king, the king, uh, for allying with merciless Indian savages. I uh, yeah, that's I, I um, yeah. And again, I haven't read um, all those grievances in a long time. I just when I probably last did uh, it, it that 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 terminology, that phraseology, didn't stick out to me the way that it did. Now, um, now I don't want to get into this, but there's plenty of scholarship that, that said the, the, the first reference to excited domestic insurrections was a reference to uh, the governor of Colonial Virginia, essentially saying that he any slave any enslaved Africans who would run and fight against the Americans would receive their freedom. So there, there there's an implicit reference to. To, to to insurrections by enslaved Africans as well, but it's not listed as 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 uh, well mercilessly, if you will. It's not as clear as the quote unquote merciless Indian savages, and this was part of that campaign. And and, and some scholars would say, you know, the grievances were really in many ways where we talk about uh, the beginning of of, uh, of 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 the Declaration of Independence as the most uh, you know the poetic part. That's the part we we generally. It's beautiful, right? But the real, the convincing part, the people, the part that people were maybe reading in a in a in a print form in their pub, were really the grievances, and and it ended with this this broadside on um, uh, against the king again, racializing the British are taking the side of the savages against you, and this was a way to rile people up in support uh, of the revolutionary cause. This is Mike Madrid on Mic Drop talking with uh, American essayist Gregory Rodriguez, who specializes in race, identity, and culture. Um, the topic of this essay, which I'm going to ask you to kind of guide and direct people to where they can uh, see it. And, I'll, and I, maybe I can just post it here in the room afterwards, too. Yeah. Uh, but the title is Whiteness, Victimhood. No, no, no. no. The title is... Uh... "Quote unquote, white people victim victimhood and the birth of the United States." Okay, yeah. Um, you you mentioned the fact that our modern notions of sort of victimhood and government protections against the victimizing certain groups are often tied back to the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty four sixty five. You then also clearly in this essay referenced that this notion of victimhood has been there with whites since the beginning of our origin story. Is America just a group of victims? No, I mean, there. no. <laughs> Jesus, man. Um, 
it seems if you if you look at newspapers, it seems so. But that that that's a topic for another time. It's it, 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 it's a it, it's a political tool, and it was used as a political tool in the context that I'm writing about here, and it's used as a political tool today. So on some levels, it's very legitimate. Um, on a lot of levels, it's not. Um, but but there is some there, there there are some quote unquote advantages that can be can be derived from claiming oneself as a, as a protected group. There's but but that's another subject I'm not prepared to get into today. But yeah. but 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 in it but in a in a society uh, in in a country whose entire wealth derives not only from you know, enslaved Africans but from the conquest of an entire continent and we don't use we use the term conquest for latin america for mexico we never use the word conquest for north america for the united states which is absurd the conquest of an entire continent uh, uh stripping native americans i'll be quoted because you know americans do things you know politely you know they did it through lawyers they did it through <laughs> they did it through quote the you know really crooked treaties right which you know here's a gun to your head sign this so so there was a so and then and then taking away Mexican land. So so this is the, the entire the, the the country itself was a product of uh, one um, uh, taking the property and the work of non-whites, right? And and secondly, white people, if you will, the the the, the disparate groups of people who came to be considered as such, um, did so in many ways in. It, it, because of their in contradistinction to an African American or uh, a Native American, and then later against a Mexican American, so whiteness keeps together in many ways uh, in contradiction. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be white if there weren't black. There wouldn't be white as, there were, as if there were no Native Americans. So, so what I'm really trying to do is we, we're very aware of the, the presence of African Americans and the notion of whiteness, but we're not aware enough of the role Native Americans played in the American, the early white American imagination and how it helped them develop their own identities. How does, how does, how do you get interested in this? Like how does one get interested in this and, and what does it, what does it tell you? You know, I grew up a Mexican American kid in the, in the suburbs of Los Angeles and I, I didn't quite understand some of the assumptions uh, I didn't understand, you know, I, I was called the N-word in third grade, and that, that kind of sucked, you know. And I was like, what, why am I different? What makes these people who don't look at all the same to me, and, you know, the, the people of different ethnic origins who, quote-unquote, were white in, in, in my class in, in elementary school, but yet I was the N-word. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was like, how do you make, who makes these rules? That's, from a very small child, it's like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense, because these people, and then I started, I was always very interested in ethnicity, and then, you know, and then I, I actually grew up in, a, and we've discussed this before, in a, you know, an ethnically diverse uh, Southern California uh, suburb, um, and I was, and, you know, and, 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 and the interest of, I mean, my interest in American culture and how we divide things, you know, in, in my particular way of seeing things, as a Mexican American who grew up not not within the church, um, was you know notions of what was right or wrong that many of my class rate mates seemed to have held didn't make sense to me. Notions of of touch, I use my hands a lot. Notions of uh, how to express anger, 
notions. I remember as a child, I, I use my hands a lot when I talk. And they say, oh, oh, uh, tell us what you really mean, Gregory. You know? So I, there was always this, like, who makes the rules, people? And how do you think? And, the, and now my, I'm, do, I'm doing a lot of reading now on, on sort of early evangelicalism uh, and, and sort of religious life in the 19th century, pre-Civil War and post-Civil War. And I'm wondering, and, and who are, they? I mean, quote unquote, the, the whiteness is just this political amalgam, right? It's, it doesn't, it's not really a culture. Um, it's an, you know, and it came, it came to existence in contradiction to the other groups as I'm writing. But, but where do these, these assumptions or, or even the modern notion of Jesus as my savior, the way a, a white person with a background in, in the South uh, Eastern United States, the way they talk about Jesus Christ would be so foreign to a way a Catholic does. You know what I mean? So I, so I'm beginning to really understand, like, who are these quote unquote white people? And, and, you know, the truth is that they're different everywhere. There's a different, the groups of, of quote unquote white people are different wherever you go in the United States because culture is different wherever you go in the United States. So my interest is in disentangling a country that, that we, we tend to reduce, newspapers reduce, politics particularly reduces. It's an incredibly diverse nation, and we speak about it in shorthand. And we take, you know, a country with a multiple groups and multiple languages, and we say there's five groups, you know, and there's two languages, there's two parties. And so we tend to, everything, everything in America seems to be, the, the blood seems to be, you know, really bled out of it. But it's a lot more interesting than we think. I'm trying to get to what's interesting about this country and why that's what I'm trying to do because it fascinates me and it's always frankly confused the hell out of me. <laughs> did, did it give you clarity kind of on where we're at? No, no, I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't, I'm not trying to find out where we're at now, to be honest. I'm trying to find out where does this shit come from? What, well, you know, right now, you know, I, I think I told you, I, uh, I was in East Tennessee a couple weeks ago by total happenstance, and I went to Davy Crockett's birthplace, and I'm like, my lord, we, we, you can sing the song. And like, why is this guy famous other than being killed at the Alamo? And it's like, this wouldn't, you know, and I went to, so, so just, it, that's another thing. I'm reading the history of Kentucky now. I'm interested in these iconic American, white American figures of, of these individualists, these frontiersmen, and where those beliefs come from you know what i mean like because i didn't quite resonate with them as a child i don't know if you did but it's like you know the coonskin cap thing ain't me like i like stucco <laughs> i like the missions you know that's what i grew up with right but so it there's a certain foreignness so i can go to east tennessee which my wife and i absolutely loved saw the birthplace of dolly parton and i appreciate it and it starts to make me think wow this is where it came from and so I, I guess it's not fair to ask you where it goes from here, right? Because you, you, it's, not what you, it's not what you occupy your time thinking about. It, it, is it fair to ask you, are you seeing a devolution of whiteness back to victimhood? Or has that always been there? No, that, that's, that's, that's above my, my pay grade, man. I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just think it's a, it's a tool used by a variety of groups in this, this, this age because of certain... Uh, you know, I don't want to use it to be too crass. It's because of certain advantages that can be conferred. It, it's a tool right now, post-civil rights, and, and it's, it's, it's a way of positioning a group. It's a way of leveraging the group's emotions. It's a way of getting people to vote. It's a way, you know, we've seen, you know, uh, you know I used to say in the, in the, in the 1990s when a, when a group of, when a Democrat came to speak to Mexican-American voters, 
he'll say, we're the good whites, we'll protect you from those bad whites. Ah. So, Victor, Victor, I mean, that was essentially the... the, the yeah, no, that's, it, right? that's exactly so, right. So that, it's a way, to, it's the way to, to move people, to leverage people. It, it, it's a tool. And I'm just trying to understand it as more, more profoundly. And again, it's not, it's not in the, it, you know, the, the white people, whatever that means, does, don't own it. It's just, it's, it seems to be epidemic in this nation. Uh, claiming victimhood is, an, is epidemic. Uh, that can't be good. That has to, that, that somebody will have to deal with that, I don't know, at some point. But, when, um, but I can tell you that, that, that does not, uh, that does not, th- what this country does not feel, I don't, you know, I'm in and out of this country, but this, this country does not feel healthy, the number of people who are claiming to be victims of one another and groups. It, it can't be good for a society. Uh, it does it feels like people's sense of self is more is more is sometimes more often derived by uh, by what their what their treatment by others but than by who they are themselves when I wrote mongrels bastards orphans and vagabonds however it was called my interest in, was in giving agency to Mexicans and Mexican Americans my interest is in agency one an individual and a people must feel that they have agency over their lives and the victimhood gives agency to the victimizer. You know, so, so I don't think it's healthy for an individual. It's not healthy for a group. And, and, and I, that, was the take, that was my take about Mexican-Americans when I wrote that book, is one must believe in one's own ability to rise out of, even if you are a complete victim, the best way to derive. I, had, I sat down with two, two elderly black men. I had the great fortune. They were, they were, they were Pullman porters. They were members of the Brotherhood of, of Pullman porters. They were in their 90s. They were dignified black and the two last surviving. And I would talk to them about the racism that they would feel in these, in these the, literally when they go into the South, they'd have to change their cars and everything was segregated. And I asked this man, how did you deal with that racism? He said, whatever insults we got, we ducked and we dodged, and we didn't define ourselves by the insults and the indignities that were thrown at us. Today, people are trying to define themselves by the indignities and the insults, huh. and it can't be good for a human soul. I, that's, a, that's a remarkable observation. Um, is it fair to ask you what you ascribe that change to or from? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's another... That's okay. A, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested in in rightsism, and uh, I, I'm very interested in right now. This is why the senior lead officer just called me. Like, I'm, I'm looking into the, the extent of what why cities in California or within the nine states of the West are incapable of of coming out from underneath a court case and dealing with uh, a homeless crisis. And and some of that is rightsism, is the notion that rights are absolute, and the notion that that we can't. We can't, we can't come to an agreement that the rights are absolute. And, and w- everything we talk about is, the, and whereas, and, and I've been reading about the notion that maybe rights can be shared. Maybe, there's a, maybe we should think about rights in the political terms in that there's a give and take and that it can't be winner take all. And the way we talk about rights uh, in this country is winner take all. The loser well, in a case has no rights. And that's what's so... But that's another subject. Yeah. No, I'm no, ready I'm... to talk about three years. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, it's difficult reading. It, at, the time, at the time you're writing about in the essay, French and Indian War, mid-1700s, uh, whiteness comes about because of, of victimizations, people being victimized. They, they essentially rally and say we have a community of interest here. It's like if we got to look out for each other. Right. 
in, at all in this same time period, and again, we're talking about the mid-Atlantic states for the moment, clearly not the South. Right. When does, when does that, do the victims become the victimizers? Oh, immediately. They were, they were already the victimizers, okay? They were already taking Native American land. They were already the victimizers. And a crucial point, which you gave us an opportunity to go back to, so the victimized white people, I use that in quotes, on the frontier, then by virtue of their own suffering, had redefined murdering Indians as a, from an offensive act to a defensive act. So what it did was it cast their then willingness to murder and to steal as an, a justifiable act. So what it did then was to say, hey, I can, ta- I can kill you and I can take your land because you hurt me first. Again, there was an advantage to the calling victim. There, there was an advantage and it worked in the favor of real estate speculators, again, on the East. So it was what they got. It's not just that we, we do too many, I, I think, too much analysis today is about how people feel. But you always have to think what they gain or lose. You can get, they gained the right in their minds to remove Native Americans from land because they had been victimized. And they no longer, and part of this process of white people becoming white people was they, 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 they now refused to make distinctions among ally Native Americans and, and you know, friendly Native Americans and non. And prior to this, and there's been a wonderful scholarship on this, there, were, there was this time when neither group had power over each other and there was this need to, uh, to, to get along. There was a need to talk to each other. There was a need to trade. There was a need to, to share an area of the forest. And that was then eroded as whites then, as, with the new country. The new country then gave license to these people to take land. It became a national goal, whereas under the British, the British sought to separate. They put a, a, a line in the Appalachians, an, a, an imaginary line which they never had the, the ability to, to actually enforce, where the, the Europeans on the east of the Appalachians and the, and the, and the Native Americans to the east, uh, to the west. Uh, but the, 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 the Americans nope, said, go forth. Go forth and take. So it's fair to say that whites were always more aggress- more the aggressors, more the victimizers than the victims. It just became a convenient political narrative for establishing a, a, a larger coalition to take land. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, yes. I mean, I, not all whites, frontier, these quote-unquote, put in quotes, white people, but you know, William Penn, the, 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 they, he had some, you know, he, he, he was more broad-minded and enlightened and a lot of, and he sought to make agreements for land with Native Americans, but, but over time, and, he, and his regime uh, sought to move forward carefully with agreements that, that Native Americans who would cede the land first, um, but over time, the, 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 the number of people who came the type of people who came would rush forward beyond the quote-unquote acceptable frontier and take the land. And that overcame the, 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 first, the first goal, the objective of Pennsylvania as, as a peaceful place. That, that was eroded over time by avarice, by numbers, by ambition. And, and simply the British could not control it. The British could not keep people 
uh, on the east. And by the way, there, there is a lot of, there, there, there's an argument to made that much of the, and it's also a grievance in, in the Declaration of Independence, the British unwillingness to allow, freely allow westward movement of settlers also angered a lot of wealthy uh, patriots uh, on the east. And the term patriots, they... they I'm using that as pro-revolutionary war. Okay, okay. Um, Rebels. (laughs) Rebels, right. Um, Ended on a nice note. I mean, like, make it easy. Like, ask me what I... Well, well, yeah, I was going to say, well, you help me wrap this up because, again, I can get... I I, I go down the Gregory Rodriguez rabbit holes. I think they're so fascinating. Um, what's What's the takeaway? Close it up for us. Bring it home. I think the takeaway is... Ah, shit, dude. I don't know what the takeaway is. The takeaway is that we take these, uh, these, these identities for granted. These, you know, I never, I mean, I kind of hate being, having to be a Hispanic. I'm Mexican-American, dude. I, I, my, one of my broader problems with American life today is the absence of texture and specificity and localism. There's too much. It's too much about Washington. There's too much about America. When, 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 again, what we love about, if we love our country, it's because we love our locale. We love the people around us. Because everything else is really unknown. I mean, most people, you know, most Americans have not been more to, to more than eight states. Most Americans don't know America writ large. They know their America. And mm-hmm. I think there's, my, my, and that's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to be in Georgia next week again. Like, I, my interest is in, 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 in the specificity and the localism and the experiences that create people's lives in different regions of America. And, and, and you dig down is where you find meaning. Digging, and more and more of my essays will be digging down a history in a place and a time. Because that's what gives us the real, the stories. That's what gives us the myths. That's what gives us, what gives us meaning. It isn't, the, the, you know, the, the, the abstractions of American pride are, they're empty calories. You know, you, the, you know, jets and, you know, fighter jets and, and planes may make you feel good, but the jets go away. There has to be a love. There has to be a sense of love for the people, for the place. And so my interest is in, uh, is, is in finding, is, is learning about places and times that rooted, that, that created the ideas that we now bat around as if they're, as, 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 we, we bat around without knowing where they came from. Did that totally just make any sense at all? It made complete sense. Let me add, where, where can people find your essays? Where can people on the internet read Gregory Rodriguez's Oh, co- right, right now they're on Contramundum. Contra, Contra, I don't know, dude. Contra-mundum.com. Uh, the other essay that I'm particularly proud about was that I published in September 2020 is The Tragedy of Whiteness. And, and that's really about, uh, again, that's, that, that is very much about the the, the loss of, of texture and, and tradition uh, and, uh, and, and the, the sort of the, 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 the underbelly of assimilation, if you will, among white ethnics and where that leaves people in times of, of strife and trouble. And, and I, my, my interest is how do people survive this very aggressive, this very competitive, it's really a merciless country. It's a merciless country. How do people survive? And really... The more and more I, I read and think, they survive with their groups. They grow, and not white or Latino or, you know, they grow, with, the spec, with small groups, the small groups of people who love them. The small groups of people, the people they go to church with or synagogue with or to the mosque with or, or the people they, 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 they make quilts with. It's, it's the small local communities that give people the ability to 
survive life in a rather merciless culture. I think that's a fantastic ending. Gregory, thanks for your time. I have put the location of your website in the chat, contra-mundum.com. I hope you'll come back and visit with us again when you've got some other works published. Yeah, thanks, bud. Thanks so much. Talk to the police. Okay, bye. That'll be Mike Shop. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye.